Spro Crypto Unleashed is a podcast about institutional investing and research in Web3, showcasing founders, funders, and friends from the Struck Crypto network. Struck Crypto is a $100 million plus asset under management, early stage Web3 venture capital firm based in Los Angeles and New York City that has been investing in crypto since 2017. Notable portfolio companies include early investments into One Inch, Mythical Games, Hedera Hashgraph, and Zero Hash. All investing is subject to market risk, including the loss of principal. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results, and there is no guarantee any investment strategy will achieve its objectives. This podcast is provided for general and educational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, securities, or investment advice, or a recommended course of action in any given situation. All opinions and views constitute our judgments as of the date of production and are subject to change at any time without notice. So I'm really excited to present episode three of Struck Crypto Unleashed. Today I'm joined by my co-host Leo Wu and Robin and Oliver from Liquify, which is Carta for Web3. Robin and Oliver, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Great, happy to do so. And thanks Neil and Leo for having us. Uh, my name is Robin. I'm one of the two co-founders as well as the current CEO. Great to meet you guys. I'm Oliver, uh, co-founder and CTO. So handle all things product and engineering. All right. Awesome. Really appreciate the introductions. So just to kick things off, can you just take us through the founding story of Liquify? So here, I'd love to dive into what it's looked like for you guys to go from zero to one and close some of the big companies that you've been working with. Yeah, happy to. Um, before we start, we'll give a quick overview of what Liquify is, which I think will make sense in the context of how we started the company. So at a high level, we consider Liquify the easiest way to manage your token distributions compliantly. So our platform helps Web3 founders, CFOs, COOs, et cetera, navigate things like token investing, lockups, compliance, and cap table management. Um, so the initial story, I have to really give a lot of credit to my co-founder, Oliver, but uh, we used to both work at crypto companies. And uh, at the time we were employees. And as a part of our conversation, there was some token involvement. Uh, there was some part of it that involved tokens. And when we saw the way that it was handled internally, whether it was through a combination of spreadsheets, calendar reminders, Slack, et cetera, we knew that it was a super broken process. And, you know, it, it, our reaction at the time was like, there's no way this makes sense for everybody to be doing it this way. So lo and behold, we asked other people in the industry that we knew, friends and people in our network, and found out that everybody was also doing it this way. And that's what initially gave Oliver the idea to start, you know, what we now call the Carter for Crypto. Um, Oliver, do you want to add anything there? Yeah, so adding a little bit more context, uh, we used to both work at crypto companies, as you mentioned, um, some of the things of how they handled vesting schedules at their, at their crypto companies were a little bit mind boggling, uh, adding a new, a new employee would require an engineer to go ahead and like set up their vesting contract or update the vesting contract. Similarly, if they had any vesting schedules that were custom that required engineering lift as well, which was kind of crazy to see. We talked to a bunch of crypto companies to see what else they did for their own schedules and processes. It turned out they also either had in-house spreadsheets or in-house solution and coming full circle, we ended up actually converting those companies that we talked to initially. They're now our customers as well using the liquefy product as well. Yeah, that totally makes a lot of sense. I, I think that um, flow of just starting with the early adopters, um, working from a pain point that you personally experienced at a, a large uh, kind of institutional style in crypto makes a lot of sense. And it's something that then ends up being really scalable to the rest of the market. Um, so the, the early adopters then into 
the wider market of crypto definitely makes a lot of sense. And it's, I think it's something we traditionally see um, in like the crossing the chasm style model. Um, and so I think I'm going to pass this off to Leo actually to talk about um, the recent fundraise and how Drug Crypto has been supporting you uh, on the go to market side. All right. Thanks, Neil. So, as you all know, um, Strong Crypto is one of the investors in Liquify's funding round. I'm curious, what were your guys' impressions of Struck beforehand, and how has it been like working with us? Yeah, so um, we got introduced through a mutual friend, which is kind of funny. Uh, so we met one of the uh, one of the investors through a personal friend, and at the time, we were still somewhat being opportunistic about who we partner with because we felt like we only want to work with partners that could truly add value. We weren't necessarily looking to bring on somebody for the sake of bringing on somebody, but more so uh, having a high bar for exactly how are they going to add value. And so initially we did a lot of diligence beforehand. Um, you know, when we had the conversations, we're always happy to meet with the various investors. It's just a general part of our company strategy. But when we saw some initial potential for us working together, that's when the actual, uh, what I call the diligence process uh, began. And so began doing a lot of different reference checks with other people. Uh, and again, this is all throughout the conversation process, but felt like, okay, there is potentially some synergies here. Um, can go into details on exactly how they help, but from our first conversations with Adam and team, felt very clear on how they want to add value on the go-to-market side, as well as helping us with like our marketing strategy, as well as all the general company operation. And so had to really just rely on the logos that we saw on the website in terms of like the mutual portfolio company that, that we knew, as well as doing actual reference checks. Yeah. So. Just as you mentioned, it's diligence goes both ways. It's not just investor diligencing the potential portfolio company, but then also the other way around. I think some of it was you guys spoke with some of the founders in our existing portfolio to just get a take. And so I think that's something that helped. Um, would love to hear how the impressions changed once you guys did start working. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I'll give one take from like the product as well as sales side, and then Oliver, I'll pass it to you for everything else. But we think about our business in like these four verticals. So product engineering, sales, and marketing, of course there's more, but those are like the high level buckets. And we want to tap into our network as well as our investors to help out on these various verticals. So on the sales and marketing side, which I'm closer to, um, have been pretty aggressive for like a better word and asking for help. And so whether it's intros to companies that we know or asking for referrals on the partnership side, whether it's like someone that's an expert on compliance or someone that's an expert on marketing, uh, that's been really, really helpful. So by default, um, we typically think to ourselves, what is exactly that we need? Um, but struck on one of the people that's on the short list of people we're always happy to ask for help for, uh, just again, because they give us a permission to do so. Um, in like a very like welcoming way. And yeah, I mean, I would say that the reference checks that we did prior to taking the actual investment has panned out. Um, one of the strongest value added investors in terms of always going to bat for you, always being somewhat, again, in a good way, aggressive about wanting to help. And that's always welcome versus the opposite, which is a very passive relationship where you don't really care about that. So that's what's on the sales and marketing side. Oliver, anything to add on product and or engineering? No, but I think to you. The process when Struck actually evaluated us and the diligence and the amount of uh, bank checking that they did just to make sure that we were a good investment is kind of a proxy towards how detail-oriented they are themselves as a fund. Um, they put a lot of effort into being cognizant about which investments that they're making. And once they do make those investments, it's a testament towards 
how much how helpful they are for us as well. They are very active um, in offering both help on the on the sales side and also on the product and engineering side, uh, offering architecture reviews or technical technical discussions whenever needed as well. Yeah, just to put everything in context, it's really the firm's thesis of making a few select high conviction bets, so that way the platform sort of thing can actually help the portfolio companies because. Even looking at the company's website, like the portfolio itself, it's really not that big compared to some other crypto funds. So it's probably around 20 portfolio companies. And then even among that, it's different stages. Some companies are earlier stage, some are later stage. And naturally, because the fund focuses on the stage stage and then a little bit around pre-seed, the focus then becomes on helping out some of the companies in that early stage to help them get to their, their next round of fundraising. And so the help is really concentrated among a few select portfolio companies. And so these are just examples of that. Oh, enough about uh, Shrug itself, one of the really featured Liquify. So we'd really love to hear what you guys are working on right now in regards to token management. What are you guys currently building and excited about? Yeah. So initially we started with the core problem of automating the process of tracking and distributing tokens for investing schedules and locker schedule because that was the initial uh, insight that we stumbled onto. But as we got further and further along that path, what we realized was that there are other supporting pieces or other tangential problems that you also solve, whether that's related to taxes or whether that's related to reporting and accounting or custody management, all these different sorts of solutions, or sorry, pain points that you have are things, things that we need to handle. And our client base, you know, ranges from small companies from less than five people to up to 100, 200 plus. And those needs also start to diverge a little bit. And so understanding that Nuance, we've really scaled our platform to be able to support companies across the various stages, whether they're early stage, mid stage or growth stage. And again, some of the problems or requirements you have are a bit more complex as you go up market. So those are the things that we handle mostly along the lines of helping you distribute tokens to employees, as well as to investors. Um, just giving a quick, like high level peek into some of the initiatives that we're working on, really it comes down to what are the things that our customers care about? And namely that becomes like, I just wanted to be tokens without having to think about it. And not having to think about it is a pretty loaded term, but it includes the process of saving you time, automating all the different workflows, making sure all the data is accurate, making sure that you're prepared for future audits. If people need to check your numbers as well as making sure that as it relates to your local jurisdiction, following the laws that you need to. And so again, without going into too much detail, but we're exactly planning, uh, if our customer feels those pain points, I just want to get rid of that because they just want to outsource this. Those are the things that we're working on. Any one basic question, just zooming out a little bit in terms of like token management itself. Um, what's like, let's say one example of, you don't have to set a name in the company, um, maybe like a pain point, let's say like, what would a company be doing if they were not using liquefy? And then like, what exactly are you guys solving for them in terms of saving time, compliance, all of that, once they get on board your solution? So this could be even a hypothetical scenario. Yeah. Um, basically it's stitching together a bunch of different tools. So number one would be like Google spreadsheet is always a part of your workflows probably using Google Forms with your employees to collate and collect information, like what's your wallet address, what's your jurisdiction, and then from there, inputting that data into your payroll software if you need to, make sure that it integrates with like your accounting software as well. And the old end-to-end process management of, let's say somebody got paid, but they decide to leave, they need to make sure that 
the various team members on your staff knows exactly what's going on. And so you have to update that spreadsheet for someone's termination date. Um, it, it gets more complex than that, but I think what I'm trying to highlight with this example is that there are all these tools that you want to bring together. It, this data lives in separate silos and they don't really talk to each other versus a, uh, versus an aggregated solution that can kind of do the whole process end to end and you don't really have to think about it. And so, yeah, I mean, we took the most common workflows and really tried to solve for that and having a very customer centric mindset, speaking to them pretty often gives us visibility into exactly those problems that they have, which again, come down to, you know, it takes too much time. You have to hire additional people. You're wasting resources on something that could be easily automated. Those are the things that we consider our value propositions. Yeah. I feel like your point about spreadsheets, especially when people leave, like that can be super messy, the whole employee offboarding process. And then there's also the flip side, which is the employee onboarding process where you might as well like have something that unifies it throughout the whole like employee journey in the company. So I think that is a really good example of showing like what exactly you're solving for. And then not to mention with tokens, a lot of companies have a lot of monetary value in those tokens. So people should really make sure that whatever spreadsheet showing could be the latest. And so, you know, maybe like a Google doc that everybody can edit isn't like the best place to really track everything. Yeah, definitely not. And, uh, sorry, just to jump in on that last example, like onboarding and offboarding are two particular pain points. Cause again, if you have a team of five people, this is fairly straightforward, right? Like, I don't think it's that difficult to use a spreadsheet, but when you have 50, 100, 200 people. And you have different teams that handle hiring versus onboarding versus finance. Then you have to have all these people communicating. So, Hey, let's assume this person is going to get terminated in one week. By the way, you have to please remember to update that spreadsheet. And if they forget to update the spreadsheet, well, maybe you just send some tokens to someone that you actually didn't have. That then triggers all these transactions on your like accounting software that you need to reverse. And that's a huge pain point in itself. And again, if that person in accounting does have context around this person that got terminated, that again, I think illustrates the pain point of not having the system talk to each other, plus having three, four separate teams trying to manage this collectively and trying to uh, organize all of that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think um, all of this stuff is really what goes on in the back end for founders. Like this is not related to, let's say, building the core business or acquiring customers, but it's something that's super crucial in terms of employee compensation and then this goes into compliance as well. So even like zooming out a little bit, like just to share like a little bit from my, my background. So I spent some time working um, at a sort of like a fractional CFO for early stage companies. So I was basically the person behind a company's Gusto or Ripley. So every time you hire an employee in a new state, you actually have to register with that state's Department of Labor in order to submit the payroll taxes and such. Um, some states are harder than others. One example, uh, I'll just call it out there for any founders listening is Washington state. So you have to be careful with that. I think like, you know, we'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts on the compliance side are that translate from the web three perspective. Let's say, you know, things that you guys are working to like take care of for founders so that they aren't having to worry about that and then focus on their core business instead. Yeah. Uh, Pretty complex topic and not one that we can speak to like 100% because the rules are frankly still changing. And so, especially in the United States, there are things that you have to look out for, whether it's related to unregistered security violations and tax laws and different states. Um, what we can say is if we broadly think about it in, again, buckets where you have like securities compliance, you know, financial reporting compliance, tax compliance, uh, AML 
SEO by compliance. And so these are all things that you might consider as problems you want to tackle as part of the uh, value prop that you offer. But it very much depends on the client because their, their, their specific jurisdiction will be very different than you know, somebody else. So if you're US-based versus European-based versus you know having multiple entities, that changes the equation of how exactly you want to solve for them. And so rather than saying that we tackle this specific problem, we take it on a case-by-case -case basis and we think about the overall compliance strategy. And again, we're very careful to be uh, position ourselves as not lawyers. We're not giving legal advice, but to the extent that you need tools to automate some of your compliance workflows, that's what we help with. And um, yeah, don't want to spill too much of the secret sauce, but there are different workloads there that we handle. That's right. Got it. And then one last question for me before heading back to Neil um, is in terms of like the needs then, you mentioned that they vary between what a small company might need that might be basic versus a larger player. What would be some of those differences? And then I know that you guys are, um, you know, collaborating a lot with, you know, other players in the crypto ecosystem around some of the more complex apes. If you can maybe even elaborate a little bit on that front too. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, we've worked with smaller companies and when I say small, we mean by like size, so like number of people. And so we work with some of the top protocols like Optimism, Balancer, Animoca Brands, to name a few. Uh, and, you know, they're much larger in terms of their organizational size relative to, let's say, an early stage team that's just getting started out. And again, depending on the timing of their token launch, that can also change their requirements as well. And so when you're bigger, for lack of a better word, like your risk parameter is probably much less. Um, and so if your risk profile or like your appetite for risk is much smaller, then you're going to be a lot more careful with the steps that you take versus maybe like an earlier stage company that's more willing to, you know, move faster. And again, um, where that trade off, that risk trade off is slightly different. Um, and so if you have a different risk trade off, then the steps you take on making sure every step of the way is correct might be different. And so double checking your numbers, making sure that the security is up to par, worrying about things like encryption and data privacy. Uh, as well as having just multiple people involved, right? Versus like one founder handling the whole process versus a team of a CFO plus a bookkeeper, a HR person trying to coordinate. And so those differences impact the user experience of the product. Got it. All right. That's great to know. I'll hand over to Neil to talk more about um, the founders' experiences from their past companies and how they apply that to liquefy. Thanks, Leo. So really uh, the the interview has been really exciting and i think it really speaks to your background um in like product management experiences for example in web 2 work you know and, and this is something we covered in the zero to one zero to one segment where you have this really deep um kind of institutional background and i'm really interested to understand how you've been translating some of the web 2 experience and also some of the web 3 experience at the bigger companies that you've worked at into uh, your work at Liquify to consistently deliver value. Uh, so for example, you know, maybe like developing your company values, um, you know, how you've been thinking about shipping features at scale for your product to meet the diverse needs of your customers, and also just building a secure um, and compliant product. Um, I could take this and then Robin, I'll pass it to you if there's anything else to add. But from, from both me and Robin's experiences, we both worked at large uh, traditional tech companies. So I used to be an engineering manager, an engineer over at Amazon, Twitch, and Salesforce. Uh, Robin similarly was over at LinkedIn as well as other companies like Adobe as well as a product manager. If you haven't noticed from Robin's responses so far, we're very disciplined about collecting uh, customer feedback because one of our company values is uh, customer obsession taken from Amazon. So uh, half the team has also come from Amazon as well, the engineering team itself. Um, and we 
we are very disciplined about collecting customer feedback, making sure that we're actually building and delivering value to the customer as well. Other areas that we've gotten, we've taken some inspiration from our past experiences has been more so on the engineering side for scalability. So we handled both the payments and subscription stuff for for Amazon uh, for their services and working with that high TPS, that high traffic volume has taught us as we're building Liquify now that we are not architecting ourselves into a corner, we're architecting for scale and we're able to scale up effectively. And the second piece is also stability and security. So making sure that uh, all our services at Liquify take the best values from our past experiences from our Web2 two, web two time. And we're building things in a scalable fashion that are redundant, fault tolerant, and also secure. So customers can rest assured since we're handling money, that we're sending the token securely and safely at the same time. Yeah, I feel like from the product perspective, yeah, the customer obsession is a huge one for us, as well as like knowing how to build products for scale. Um, I think what's especially difficult about Web3 is that the mantra of like move fast and break things doesn't apply. It's move fast and don't break anything. So especially building in crypto, it's a very unforgiving environment. And uh, I think it's a testament to our team to be able to navigate that. Uh, to date, we've had no exploits, no hacks, no lost funds or anything like that. And, you know, that means a lot, especially for a token management platform. So again, it's kudos to the team for being able to carefully balance speed while also making sure that, you know, you don't do anything that could potentially uh, be the end of your company. Um, so that's mostly on the product as well as on the values. The other things that come into play as well, I think given our prior roles as, you know, previous managers and working with larger teams, I think we see what it looks like to have a good culture as well as and it seems I'm thinking about growing our team's careers as well. And so uh, kudos to Oliver for a lot of this actually. Um, very good about like building company culture intentionally. And so even if it seems small, doing things like team events, you know, crafting bonding time, trying to get to know people on a more personal level, those are things that he tries to emphasize and I try to follow a lot as well. Um, in addition to that, we're very intentional about our hiring process and who we bring on. and. Uh, a lot of it does borrow from some of it does borrow from like the Amazon hiring process, but also is somewhat like reflective of me and Oliver's personality and how we've adapted it to ourselves. And then just keeping a very high bar for talent, uh, uh, having really just try to have only A plus players when you can, uh, hire slope if you can as well, just be very thoughtful about who you want to bring on. Um, uh, because we totally believe that the team you build is the company that you build. And yeah, all of, I think the values kind of stem up to that, which is who are the right type of people you want to bring in. And so customer obsession, again, is the number one, one of the ones that we uh, emphasize, but having a team first mentality, uh, focusing on the truth rather than just on being right, um, which is borrowed from like Ray Dalio and then, uh, taking care of yourself so you can take care of the team. And, uh, I think I covered it. These are things that we've learned from our past experience that we try to apply it now that we're starting a company together. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I can really see how the past experience has translated into really successfully delivering value for your customers and also building the underlying company culture and values to enable it. Uh, Leo, is there anything else that you wanted to add there? Yeah. So I think my comment is that struck crypto is one of the investors. And I think one of the reasons why we were considering the company was because you guys really like brought discipline into Web3 company, like with Web3 nowadays, things move super quickly. And so it's easy for burnout to happen, like you know, with employees with the company itself when they like overextend themselves and move too quickly. And also there's always so much going on. Like there's always a new narrative. People are always talking about a certain thing and that can lead to companies pivoting or let's say even like people in a certain community shifting towards something else because things move so quickly. 
um, you know, I won't give any examples, but like there are some from, let's say, consumer social, where a lot of times it's really just um, a lot of, let's say, initial hype and then that dies down. So I think it's been great to see like you guys being really focused. Um, and just as you mentioned, I think like initially focusing on one sort of problem area in terms of um, having that automated solution, but then really building up from there, especially with larger players needing more advanced features. And these are things that take a lot of, let's say like product expertise and engineering expertise to build along with collaboration with other players to let's say work together really just um keep building from there so i think those are just some of um my observations um i'd be curious to hear more just you know in general what what are you guys um both rob and oliver like looking forward to um from the liquid liquefy perspective this can really be anything it doesn't have to be you know focused on the product or anything like that it can be around the culture just what are you guys really looking forward to uh i'll start i, I think there are various threads you can pull. So you can be excited about the product, you can be excited about the vision, you can be excited about the people. Um, I'll start with the people for now. Um, you know, building a company has been, you know, a pretty awesome experience to see firsthand. Um, you kind of often read or hear from, hear, hear different stories about like how the people that you work with are like make the biggest difference. And it's hard to believe that until you, I think you actually try building something from scratch with people. And, um, yeah, I can like just see clear in my head that there are certain key people that just added so much impact and value to the trajectory of our company. And I think it almost surprises me like, holy crap, like it's amazing that, uh, you know, we thought this two person journey, what initially started as two person journey, has now ballooned to what is now a 12 person company. And uh, yeah, each person's impact is crazy to see. But it's also even crazy to think that this is just the beginning because we're still fairly young as a company. And, you know, hopefully this goes on for many, many more years. And the people that we brought on to join us on this journey, they are relying on us and they trust us to help them navigate their careers and their path, you know, in crypto with us. And so to the extent that we craft a very awesome experience for them, I think that's going to be a win for both ourselves and the company as well as them as individuals. And um, going back to like part of the culture that we talk about, but one of the things that I think both Oliver and I do pretty well is thinking about the person beyond just like how do we truly care for them how do we help them succeed like broadly in the career not just at liquify and when we can align those incentives and make it a win-win where you know they're excited to show up with 100 we give them 100 then you know a lot of good things can happen so over the next couple of years i want to see how the people on our team grow i want to see what impact that they have and our responsibility as a you know as founder of the company is to make sure that you know we deliver on our commitment to give them the exact opportunities that they want whether they want to grow their careers or like their skill sets or financial, whatever it is, you can help them grow. So I'm excited to hopefully see that right now. Uh, Oliver, anything to add besides that on the product side or the other side, other parts of the business? Um, on the product side, I feel like as an engineer by trade, uh, my mind kind of goes goes pretty far and wide in terms of what we could build for our customer itself. But I do think that uh, we're very disciplined on customer obsession. So we've always got to anchor on delivering value to the customer and what we could build versus what we will build will ultimately depend on our customer conversations, the feedback that they give and what we can actually develop and bring value to them. As well. Yeah. I think adding on to that point, um, Oliver brings up a good, uh, I mean, like me and Oliver get excited about all these different ideas, but you know, those are ideas, right? Like I think there's the trap of founders getting almost like two in their heads and they want to build what they think is cool versus what the customer actually finds valuable. And so 
I don't, you know, I, I, I nor we do we think we need to adhere to either extreme, but it's really cool to think about like, hey, here's what's possible when we reach a certain scale, when we have, um, you know, this much traction, this much data or whatever it is that all the additional price we build on top is really, really exciting, especially if you think of us as like a platform play. But, you know, it's, it's like, we got to get the first base before second base before third base. And so try not to get too excited about that. But the possibilities here are really, really exciting. Uh, in terms of where we can go, but ultimately it comes down to, Hey, just focus on like the, I don't want to call it like the low hanging fruit, but like, yeah, let's focus on low hanging fruits, focus on the things that people are asking for. And I think if you do that really well and be disciplined about it, then things will work out. So guys, just see how the product also involves you. That's right. A lot of it ties together in terms of just being super focused and then being disciplined as well. And so one thing that I want like the audience to know as well is just, you know, from following liquefy for the past few months, it's like, they have really been able to like ship these different products. And so like, this is actually something that is tangible. Um, you know, I, I think just, again, this is personal opinion. Um, a lot of times, like it can be really good to just think of like a really grand idea, but then, you know, on the topic of culture, like sometimes there are some people who they'll say something grand and then in a few months, there's actually nothing that's been created. So, you know, that's something that I don't think anyone would really like. It's really someone who has a plan, um, hits their deadlines when they say they commit to it and then really builds iteratively from there. It really stays in the game. I think, you know, just from a general perspective, that's something that's really great to see. And that it's really just going to be about um, following along, um, seeing what's going on. Um, one thing I also want to mention, um, you know, on this point about following along. So, uh, this would be a question for Robin. Um, would love to hear, you know, what you guys have been doing on the marketing front. This can be really around, uh, you know, content marketing, um, blogs and all of that. Like your guys is like, you know, new efforts around that front. I think we are excited to, you know, expand our team to now include a marketer and just be a lot more disciplined with how we market. One of the things that we think about as a really smart marketing strategy is that it's not just bragging about the impact of the work that you've had. Of course, you should highlight your customers and your research product launches, but we're also thinking about it in a way where we add value to our customers. So how can we create content that is either educational or informative or solve some sort of problem that they have? And so what we can align that value and that works really well for a B2B marketing strategy, which I think tends to, um, follow pretty closely to the latest trends in B2B marketing, where it's less about just spamming advertisements, and, you know, Facebook, you know, Facebook ads, billboard, whatever, and more about meeting buyers where they are. And typically buyers today are more important than ever to go on Google and ask other peers for advice and have problems that they're seeking problems to. And so our marketing strategy needs to also shift to account for that. So yeah, we're doing a lot more in terms of content marketing, actually talking about ourselves more, not just being so quiet about our compliments, but being a little bit more you know, out there. And so, yeah, it's something that we're working on. Yeah. I think that's the right info. It's about creating something that actually like adds value to the reader as well. I think like just some web two examples I can think of, of companies that have been doing pretty well on B2B marketing. Um, one is like a L A I K A. I think they rebranded, but that one's focused on um, compliance. There's another one called Secure Frame. Um, Alloy, which is one of the KYC companies, you know, these are companies that are like, they're super B2B focused and then they're really focused on infrastructure. But I think like with the right, like branding and everything, they've been able to create like those reports. So it's really great to see what you guys are doing 
there. All right, that wraps up our episode today on Struck Crypto Unleashed. Thank you for joining us. You can find all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube by searching Struck Crypto Unleashed and learn more about Struck Crypto on our website at www.struckcapital.com crypto.